Welcome, empowered empaths, to the Power of Healing Your Energy show. This show is all about your unconditional love, your light, your intuition, your soul's purpose. And depression and anxiety are a side effect of not living intuitively, not trusting your gut, the lost connections with your higher self and others. Your soul's purpose is here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Come on in, say hello. And yes, this is season two, episode 25, Decide Your Destiny. You know, it almost sounds kind of, it has that Star Wars, you know, the Yoda, (laughs) Luke. Anyways, it's got that feel. Um, Talking again more about uh, death and destiny. Um, I have a wonderful guest with me today. Please share, please like, please subscribe, please comment as well and interact if you are on the replay as well. Um, Please ask a question. Uh, We're not going to leave you hanging. And as well, if you're on podcast, please leave me a review. This makes it more available to others that may have never thought of the power of healing your energy. So we are, you know, we've discussed death before, and we know it never ends. In fact, it is the beginning. So we explore all things sacred in life beyond the veil of what we know, and widening our perspective lens to capture our life moment to moment in full presence. So um, I have Kyle here with me today, and he's all about self-improvement, commitment, Um, so kind. Um, He has a huge heart. Um, I mean, his grandparents had a big part of it. But, um, you know, I'm just going to bring him in not going to talk about myself and uh, the show, because really, it's about the guest. (laughs) And hello, Kyle. Hello, Christine. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, I think it was a couple months ago that we uh, connected. And I, you know, it seems like uh, so long ago, but, um, you know, just, I believe seeing some of your videos about what you're doing that really captured and encapsulate, you know, who you are, uh, as a soul. So maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and where are you in the world? Actually, I always forget to ask. For sure. So I'm in Perth, Western Australia on the West coast of Australia. It's about a five hour flight to the East coast. So Australia is such a big country. Um, you know, I'm, I was originally from Sydney, the East Coast. And yeah, so I was born in South Africa, Johannesburg when I was two. And uh, when I was about two, I ca- came to Sydney, Australia. Um, so I spent the first few years of my life actually growing up in a pub. And in a bar? 
in a bar. In okay, a bar. Yes. bar, bar yeah. pub, gotcha. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You know, the typical sort of uh, red couch, um, sort of, you know, red furniture sort of scene, the, the red bar stools. Um, yes. <laughs> or, or pub stools. Um, yeah, so, 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 so I grew up, uh, you know, first few years of my life until I moved to Australia. Um, my granny raised me as my South African granny raised me as um, my mother had contracts with Vogue, um, so she was a model, international mm. model. And she had she would have a contract, so she'd have to go away um, for three months, and then they'd extend her contract, and then she'd go um, do a shoot in Tokyo or Moscow and you know, different parts of the world. So it's pretty much my biological biological dad and my granny would raise me, um, and it was much safer for me to be in a pub. So. <laughs> so so that's that's what I found out more recently. That 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 was my uh, my growing digs. <laughs> wow, that that's quite that's quite the story. Um, and you know, really, I guess your child. So, how did you feel your childhood was like? I mean, what what did you know uh, to be true? I guess as a child, through your eyes. I think I had a lot of definitely had a lot of love in my life from many different people. Um, and, I, and I was able to socialize with adults from an early age, which I mm. think was, was a, great, a great gift for me and has helped me out in my older years. And I also spent a lot of time traveling in multiple countries. Um, so I didn't really have a, a foundation of home or a sense of belonging until I really got older, so you know, got much older. So I think that's one thing that whether you come from a, a torn home, a torn family home, or whether you move around a lot as a young kid, the, the combination of those factors can, you know, in terms of your identity, trying to work out where you belong can be quite tricky and you kind of develop that as you're older. Um, but it also frees you up to realise that I don't have to stick to any identities, you know, I don't have to be, you know, chained to any identities or get mixed up in identity politics. <laughs> Definitely. No, it, it, I, I want to say nomad. I mean, I, I call myself a gypsy. Yeah. Um, that's just, I, and I honestly feel it makes us more resilient and flexible. Would that be? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, I resonate with a lot of the, a lot of the things you talk about in terms of your soul's journey and, you know, death not being like the final, you know, you're here once, like, I believe in the soul, you know, I believe in past lives. I believe that, that, you know, that, that there is no, you know, death is a new beginning, you know, yes. you know a lot of ways, um, you know, so you've got this amount set of this time set aside for this life and, you know, it's your obligation to fulfill it with, you know, the, the most joy, happiness, lessons, challenges, kindness and love you can in that amount of time. And then when you pass on and you go to the next realm or the next place, um, you know, then you start again. So I, I don't think there's an end. You know, I think it's 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 continual journey journeys and continual you're continually arriving at different places and different stages in your life. Yeah, no, that's beautifully said. I I love that. And um, speaking of journeys, um, you know, when we talk about death, you uh, have had a near death experience. Yeah, Do you want yes. to talk about that? Yeah. So so I've had a couple. Um, I mean, the most notable one was about two months after I left school. Um, so, you know, graduated out of school and 
I was very much into rugby at that that stage of my life. So it was all about you know building the biceps and you know, get, get it, getting the beach the beach muscles looking good and and gym town <laughs> yeah. and laundry. No. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was um, very much about the the physical look. Mm-hmm. Um, and then life had another deci- another idea for me. So yeah. So so I was I was at that stage of my life and I was coming home from from the gym one night. So it was about two months after school. I went and sat on the couch and all of a sudden I felt really cold. You know, I was sitting on the couch, I was watching Independence Day, you know, the one with all the aliens and the, mm. the, the jets and, you know, I was enjoying that, but I started feeling really cold. So I, I grabbed every bit of clothes I could, blankets, everything, I put it over my body and I kept watching the movie. And then I um, then I got really, really hot and I stripped off and I was basically sitting stark naked on this couch um, and I was sweating. And so that was the first, I guess, night. The next night I went went to the fridge to get some ice collapsed on the ground so I just fell on these, this tile floor hit my head and I basically laid there unconscious for about 20 minutes um, um, sorry la- laid there conscious for about 20 minutes so, so I was aware of w- where I was and what was happening but I just couldn't physically get my body up so that was very strange um, and then you know the next day um, I was taken to the doctor the doctor said I think you've got gastro take some pills you'll be sweet went home took the pills vomited them up Everything was coming out from both ends, um, and it just started to increase and increase. So instead of you know maybe twice a day, it was three times, four times a day. So it was, I was getting more violently ill, and I was begging the people that I was with, like, please take me to the hospital. I know that there's something seriously wrong inside my body. Please take me to the hospital. And you know it was a bit delayed. You know, like, oh no, you'll get better. Like, you know, you know, we'll get, take you to another doctor. I said, no, I need to go to the hospital. So they took me down to my grandparents' house. Um, and my grandparents, you know, I lived with my grandparents for about 10 years. They were basically like parents to me. They really raised me in my life. So my grandmother saw me. She took me up to my uncle and my uncle, he's a chiropractor. So I was walking down the hallway in his practice and he looked at me and he said, turn this boy around, take him to a doctor. If the doctor doesn't take him to the hospital, you drive him there straight away. You know, he's got a virus and he, and he, he would do kinesiology and, you know, a lot of, he would test the body like, you know, for viruses and mm-hmm. communicate with the body a lot. So he understood that there was something seriously wrong with me. So I went to the doctor and it was a doctor that I'd, I'd been to for many years. He was this lovely Chinese man. He's been about 10 years, you know, 10 years earlier, he spent a lot of time in, in the hospital learning his trade. Um, and he also at one point gave me this book called um, Hope. The title was Hope. And it was just landscapes and it had beautiful quotes about hope when I was going through some hard times in my teenage year, years. So, you know, the doctor you could wish for. So he looked at me and he saw red dots at the tips of my fingers. And he said, Carl, you've got an infection on your heart valve. You know, you've got an infection on your heart. You've, you've, got, to, you've got to go to the hospital. Um, so they called an ambulance, went to the hospital. Now, the... The thing is, I was that sick. I don't know if anyone's been that sick where it seems like there's a vignette, you know, around the edges of your eyes and everything seems dark and cloudy and you're not really taking in reality. You know, it's like kind of like a dream, like a, like a dream state. So, you know, none of this really concerned me or stressed me out at the time. I was just going along with it. I was uh, on the bed and I was, I was trying to go to the toilet while I was in the hospital and I said, I, I, I can't excrete. I can't excrete to my, to my family. I said, I just can't can't pee and poo <laughs> and you know um and um 
the nurse came over and looked at my paperwork and said, what the hell are you doing here? You're supposed to be, you know, taken through to ICU. The reason you can't excrete is your organs are shutting down. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so, <laughs> so they took me through to ICU um, and this doctor came over to me and said, Kyle, we're just about to put this pipe down your throat um, and you're just going to go to sleep. And like I said, I was so out of it. I was just like, okay, okay, right. You know, and so he did that and my my mother was there my my grandmother was there my australian grandmother and my south african grandmother was over as well um probably all very distraught at the time mm. my mother did something um remarkable that that really gave me the chance to save my life and have a better life for myself and she called um my stepfather so <laughs> to kind of explain the story a little bit because it does get a bit complex I moved over with my mother from South Africa, Johannesburg, to Sydney, Australia, when I was two and a half. My mother married an Australian man, and okay. that's my grandparents. When I talk about my grandparents, my Australian grandparents, that's his parents. Now, you know, the, so my stepdad, my stepdad, she called my stepdad who was in, in Ireland at the time, the Australian man. So she said, this is the situation. Uh, they don't actually think he's going to make it through the night. Um, you know, it's very unlikely there's maybe, you know, there's not much percentage that's going to make it through the surgery or make it through the night. You know, what do I do? And she always entrusted Ward, you know, my, my Australian stepdad, with um, natural health because he was a chiropractor as well, kinesiologist, and he had a lot of knowledge and understanding around natural health. And so she didn't know what to do. And he made a call over the phone um, and basically said he's too weak, you know, don't let them operate, which is pretty wild, you know, for a lot of people. And this could be the controversial turning point in the conversation. Um, what I believe is, and I've seen him do this before, is he pulls his fingers together and, you know, we're all seeking information, whether we're seeking information, whether it's from universities or the internet or books or the ether. And I believe he was communicating with the ether, with, with source and trying to work out an answer because, you know, a distraught woman come, you know, distraught ex-wife coming to you trying to work out, you know, what, what, what do you do if your son, you know, your son, your stepson, it's pretty intense. So, so he made that call. A couple, um, about a week later, I woke up. He came over. I remember um, the first breakfast I had. We, we, we eat a lot of wheat picks over here in Australia. Wheat picks is our, um, our go to breakfast. And I remember being in the um, ICU ward and I had a bowl of wheat picks and my body just went nut and just puked it all up on my, on my, on my hospital gown straight away. So, that was my, my first experience coming out of the coma. And then, and then I saw him a little while later and he said, uh, Kyle, this is the situation. And, you know, that's when reality really struck. Um, I think beforehand I was quite sick. So, so all this information was, was, was not really resonating with me. And then when I came out of the induced coma, he told me, look, you've got a three centimeter bug eating a hole into your valve, into your heart. Into your heart. Um, if we don't do anything about it, you're going to die. Um, if you operate, they're going to cut a big part of your heart off. They're going to put metal attachments on your heart. Uh, you're going to have a pretty compromised life. Mm -hmm. Here's all the paperwork. This is everything you need to sign if you want to go down that route. This is everything. Otherwise, if you want to try something else, there's a thing called the alkaline diet. Mm -hmm. And what I really respect about Ward is that he, he informed me of both sides. You know, He said, there's this route and that route. I'm not having any judgments and opinions on either route. I'm, I'm giving you the information. I'm informing you. 
you know, as an individual soul, as a man, butyside. So he told me the alkaline diet, basically you fast the body, um, you, you juice and you have alkaline, you know, foods. And basically the theory behind it is that the bug has no sugar to sustain itself. Starve it. will drive the bug out. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. You starve the bug, drive it out of the body. And at that stage, I'll be honest, you know, all I knew was um, protein and eggs and, like I said, <laughs> rugby. So, so <laughs> I, I knew a few other things, but, you know, I didn't know much about natural healthcare. So, but I went and I looked him in the eyes and I said, look, I trust you as a man. Um, let's do this. Let's give it a shot. Which, looking back, it's pretty wild um, and it's definitely a risk. And, you know, I'm definitely not giving any health advice or telling people what to do with their lives, but I'm just sharing my, my experience. So... He got me to start writing out um, some of my favorite meals. You know, I, I love triple cheeseburgers. We've got this this place over here in um, Australia called the Porto, um, and it's you know it creates these lovely burgers. You know, something like Burger King or you know um, you know. So I was like, oh great, he's taking a menu order. I was writing all these things out. He said, no, no, I want you to ooze this out of your system. You know, you you, you got to get ready. You got to get your mind ready that you're going to be on a hectic juice diet. Get and ready to say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I, I found that pretty rough. I was like, damn, I thought you were taking a, a menu order. <laughs> I, I guess not. <laughs> so, so um, you know, so then he, he handed me a beetroot juice. I had a sip of it and instantly regretted my decision. I went, how the hell am I supposed to drink this for, for you know, the six weeks that I was, I was due to be in hospital for? Um, and so, yeah, so I had beetroot juices, um, spinach juices. I had salads, vitamins. My grandmother gave me... My Australian grandmother gave me tapes. All I remember is a lot of lot of talk about valleys and peaks. Um, and, you know, I was doing visualizations. You know, I was getting educated on the heart, where the heart valves were. Um, and I couldn't have any electronic devices with me. Mm. I wanted to have my laptop, have any electronic device with me. So it was pretty rough. It was, it was very like, uh, how do I say, like a Buddhist, minimalist sort of, um, yeah. Like Going a, back a, to source exactly exactly and really yeah. cutting everything out so through that experience i i guess i realized some of my beliefs about the world weren't true so you know the the naive sort of beliefs every fireman's a good person every policeman's a good person every doctor's a good person i had some experiences during the during the experience during being in the hospital mm -hmm. you know nurses were trying to throw my vitamins in the bin they were saying you know what do i think i'm doing trying to take my health into my own hands who do i think i am um, and for me, I was very naive and I, I was like, what's going on? Like, why are they doing this? I couldn't understand, you know, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Um, at that age, I had my 19th birthday in, in, in the hospital. I had all my, my family and friends around. Um, and you know, half of my friends, half my family, more than half didn't really believe in what I was doing. You know, they didn't really support me. Um, and only a small group of my family really supported me in what I was doing. Um, you know, I'd have family come up to me kind of like uh, having a, a preacher come up to you and trying to convince you to go to go down the medical route and, and give this, trying to heal myself up, you know, away. So, so that was a pretty intense time. Um, and, you know, everything was multiplicative. So it was even more intense being in the hospital and going through that. And, you know, you go through extreme depression and anxiety. And, mm. and you know, I, I loved rugby so much. It was, it was, it was so strange. I just, you know, I I was, that was the one thing that was kind of, a, you know, I say to people, if you're struggling and you're going through a hard time, put up goals in the future, you know, places you want to get to, you know, places you can 
look forward to. And for me, you know, I had this fantasy idea of playing rugby for the South African rugby team, you know, and I just thought there's no matter, you know, no matter what, I'm going to make it, you know, out of all of this, in spite of this, I'm going to make it. I'm going to, you know, it's going to be a hell of a comeback, but I'm going to, I'm going to be able to play rugby one day. So that, that was my big goal that I set up for myself to try and get me through. And obviously, I was focused purely on trying to get rid of this bug. So to fast track, you know, we went in and, you know, the cardiologist came in and said, all right, you know, what are we going to do? We're going to operate, you know, I really want to operate. And we said, well, hang on a minute. And lucky I had the stepdad there. Um, you know, what else can we do? Are there any other options? Um, and we kept asking, we kept asking, we kept asking. You know, you've got to ask and you've got to ask again and again. And he said, look, the only thing is if the bug gets down to 0.5 centimeters, then it's a non-issue. Besides that, it's at three centimeters now, there's no way it's impossible it's going to get down. So I looked at Ward and we said, great, we've got a goal, you know, get down below 0.5. Three weeks later, he comes in, says, we're going to operate, we're going to operate, you know, you know, it's been enough time now, I really want to operate. Then the bug gets down, then, then we ask him the measurements, what's the numbers? And he wouldn't give it to us straight away. So we kept it to ask, kept it to ask. Mm -hmm. Eventually he showed us the, the, the numbers and um, the bug was at uh, 0.2 centimeters. Ah. Uh. Wow. So, so, so we, we you, know, I, you know, I was, I, we were cheering. We were so happy. We yeah, were that's like, amazing. That's amazing. I'm just getting you know, chills on the back of my head. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's one of those things where experiences really are your truth. You know, I believed in him. I believed in the, the mission we were on, but I didn't believe that it could work. Mm. You know, so, so, I believed it could work in terms of I wanted and I wished it to work, but I had no idea. It yeah. was a long shot. Yeah, and and that's the well, that's part of the the ego that wants a timeline. It wants I have to see this to believe it. Yeah, but belief means it's trusting and surrendering. It's already ha it's already happened. It's yeah. co-creation. Exactly. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank goodness. Yeah. yeah. Thank goodness for, you know, having um, all these people protecting you and then giving you those ideas and, and helping you. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing yeah. story. I just want to say hello to a few people that have popped in. Lynn is here. Hi, Lynn. Hello. And hi, Anastasia. So glad you're here. And Connor, Connor's asking, um, He's excited about your journey and he wants to know what your driving force behind photography is. For sure. I can answer that. Yeah. And, and I guess we're kind of jumping over to it's soul gazing photography. So Correct. how did that come about? So I got into photography um, by just taking my, taking photos of my phone. I just had this need, this desire to take photos. You know, I'd see a light hit the side of a building in a certain way and, um, and I would just want to take photographs nonstop with my phone. And then eventually, um, when I got a camera and I, and I went and studied, I, I did a diploma of photo imaging. And you don't have to study. You know, a lot, a lot of the greatest photographers, people that stick around are people that are self-taught. Mm. But during that process, one of the great things about the course is that you had to do a, a, a graduating project. And for my graduating project, I chose portraits. And I started capturing photographs of my family around my grandparents' house. Um, and one of the photos is um, my grandfather just over that. there. I love that. I love that photo. 
Yeah, thank you, thank you. It was uh, it was like it was a special moment. You know, I came home from capturing landscape photographs, and I saw him, and he came up to me, and he had the beret on, and he's he he's an architect. He designed his own house, and so he had light hitting him from side light. So one from one side, one from the other side, mm-hmm. and I just went, Clivey, stop there. I've got to take some photos of you. And for my grandparents, you know, I, they were definitely well photographed, and and. They're from an era where you're not used to seeing a, a camera in front of your face. You know, today you are used to it. So, you know, he'd say, oh, God, another one, Carl, another one. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like with your kids in a way, like you just take all these. And after a while, they're like, no more pictures. No. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so I just took a couple of photographs of him. And where the name came about and the photography came about was I believed if you sit with someone long enough and you take photographs and you talk to them, eventually there's a flicker um, of a moment where you can see their soul. Mm. You know, I believe that they show their soul, they reveal their soul. And this is very much a lot easier in elderly people and children. I also had teenagers in my project. So some of my teenage cousins, you know, it was a two-hour process or, you know, so you could get rid of that veil. You could get rid of those, I guess, that those identities. Facade, yeah. yeah. Or protection system or... Yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. So, so that's where I mean, that's where the name came from was uh, wanting to capture the soul and the essence of you know each individual's you know portrait. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Profound that he, your grandfather is an architect, and you know you hear I hear that a lot. You're the architect of your life. Um, exactly. Whatever you vision or goal, that's what you're building. And it's, it's already built. It's the blueprint. It's just um, inner awakening, inner knowing. It just lights up. And, I mean, what you're doing with photography is is amazing. Um, you guys have to go to his YouTube channel and, and check all of that out on his website. I, the, the pictures are pretty profound. Um, Thanks, Justine. <laughs> you're welcome. And it's interesting that, you know, you're so close to your grandparents. I... I very close with mine as well. Um, you know, and just finding out more and more about them, you know, years and years later, of course, when you're a teenager, you don't really think about those things. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, I guess, you know, there was a couple pictures I seen like your, your grandfather and, and, um, grandmother were sharing a, a special moment together while he was, I don't know if he was in hospice or if he was ill. It was in his bed. Can you tell a little bit more about that? Yeah, for sure. So my grandparents really became my parents in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I I guess I didn't really have uh, a stable home. You know, I had quite a bit of abuse um, when I was younger, um, you know, and found myself my, myself on, on the streets when I was 14 uh, in the middle of the night, nowhere to go. Um mm. And I skipped I a couple of trains. Hmm. Yeah, it was, I, th- I think at that time it was just, you know, you. I th- someone mentioned to me the other day, I think it's grit or you just you just go very goal-focused and mission-focused and go, okay, I need to get inside. I'm outside late at night on the streets. <laughs> I need to get inside a house somewhere. Who do I know? Um, and I knew, you know, my grandparents. So a part of my story is, I moved to Ireland and spent a few years in Ireland with my stepfather and my mother. And when we came back um, from Ireland to Australia and my mother and my stepfather split up, his parents 
said, you're a part of the family. You know, you're, you're staying with us. We're looking after you. You're part of the family. Um, and, you know, I had no connection to them. And only a couple of months later did, did my mother fall pregnant with my stepfather's son, so my half-brother. So, you know, there was no reason for them to take me in. There was no need, but that's, that's who they were. You know, they, they took us in. We lived, them, lived with them for about two years. So, you know, about six years later when I, when I, when I found myself in the streets, I, um, I knew that there was one place I could go. And I skipped a couple of trains. Um, not advising that. Um, <laughs> it's not what I, you see in the movies, no. No, no, no. It's not. It's not. It's, you got to. You got to watch out. And um, I walked uh, from the train station about twenty minutes to my grandparents' house, trying to remember wh whereabouts it was. And then I knocked on the window early hours of the morning, um, and they opened their doors. They opened their doors for me. You know, they came down in, those, in their beautiful gowns and they opened up the doors. And, you know, during my teenage years, I went through quite a few hard hardships um, in terms of, you know, a, a cousin who was like an older brother to me in South Africa was murdered when I was 16. Um, you know, I lost another grandfather and there was a lot of death kind of surrounding my, my younger years, you know, like aunties and, and my grandfather in South Africa. And so I was trying to deal with all of that and being in an all boys school and teenage years and yeah, tr trying to trying to fulfill those ideologies of what a man is, and um, you know, I, I kind of went into the. They say that I went into the tunnel, and I think a lot of teenagers can go into the tunnel. I didn't really like that 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 connotation, but I, you know, I would come home and I would go straight to my room, and my room in my grandparents' place was my grandfather had his architecture room where he where he do do his drawings, and towards the back of that, there was like a bed and a little place for me. So I'd call it the dungeon, you know. So I'd say I'd come in the door, I'd t you know turn left and go into the dungeon, and every time I opened that door, my grandmother would shoot up. You know, this eighty-year-old woman would shoot up from her seat and come to the front door and ask me how my day was, um, tell me how much she loved me, you know. And she, she was a counselor for about um, you know most of her life. She was a counselor for most of her life, so she obviously knew what she was doing, um, and she was creating that space. She was opening up that, that you know, that, that kind of valve that I could, um, you know, that I could slowly express to her. And eventually what happened is when I was about 18, I started to express and open up and talk to them. And I'd go into their room every night, every morning and discuss big issues in my life and things that I was tackling and, 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 and ask them questions and find out more about their life. And we just built this amazing bond. And you know, a couple of years a couple of years ago, my my grandfather fell ill, and so mm -hmm. I went back multiple times, and that's where those those time capsule video journals came from. Is I was capturing videos and, and interviewing them and, and having conversations with them um, to keep to keep their story alive. And you know, I I heard one day that he he, he was in the hospital, and this is a man who, ninety two years old never really had any vaccinations, never had any medications, never had, I don't think, I think he went to the hospital once for food poisoning. You know, 92 years old, just scaved by, <laughs> pretty unmarked, which, you know, you think about a lot of people, you know, you know, in today's day, it, that's not the case, you know. So, so pretty remarkable sort of man. Um, and he was in hospital, he found himself in hospital at that age, and he went downhill fast. You know, he just could not handle it. He did not want to be there. Um, and so 
my stepfather, he got a, be- a hospital bed and put it in his living room and brought my grandfather out of the hospital and, and had him, you know, stay in there. And when I spoke to him, he said to me, and I was, and I was you know, I didn't have a lot on in Perth, but I, ha- I had a few like work commitments and, and, you know, he spoke to me and he, they put him on the phone. He said, Kyle, good luck with your photography and, you know, good luck with your life, mate. You know, uh, and like, you know, I'll see you later. And I just broke down. You know, I was just shattered. I was like, God, that can't be the the end of Clivey and, and my story with, with my grandfather. So I got on the plane the next day, flew over to Sydney, uh, Sydney and um, and I cared for him. So me and um, my stepfather, his son, basically did most of the caring for him, um, which was an amazing experience, a very, very hard experience um, and experience that you take months and years to kind of recover from um and we cared for him for for about you know two weeks and then uh then he passed and we were there towards him passing you know um my stepfather was coaching him through through breath work and breathing um and you know my my grandmother was there his wife was there and i was there and i was holding his hand as he passed from this earth and i really do say it's 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 something very special um obviously obviously it's very hard um and you know the whole lead up to it. Towards the end, he was very lucid. You know, he was talking about, you know, he was telling me how I'm his son and how you know that's his mother. Pointing to his wife and saying, "Make sure you look after your mother." Um, he was telling me how much he loved me, um, how much he was thankful that I came. When when I when I first saw him, he he teared up and he said, "God, Kyle, you came over. You didn't have to, you know, inconvenience your life to come over." And oh, you know, wow. so. So he was a remarkable man, and and he and he told me, you know, oh, I'm so thankful you're here. I don't know what, what I would have done without you. And I just thought, you know, you've got so many, so much family members. I don't know why you're saying this, but you know, it, it means a lot to me. Mm. Um, you know, and I'd be basically sleeping on the floor on a couple of pillows, and he'd wake up in the middle of the night, you know, yelling Guinness, Guinness, Guinness. Guinness. <laughs> yeah, and he was never a drinker, you know. So this oh. man was never a drinker. But they mm. say, yeah, you know, as towards the end of. You know, your life and I think when you're pregnant you kind of you you desire that iron and and Guinness apparently has that iron so you know at 4 a.m or 3 a.m I'd hear my grandfather yell and I'd go to the fridge and get a straw and give him some Guinness and and he had many lucid moments and, you know family were asking what what was he seeing because he was in and out of consciousness and he kept saying repeating that he, he saw Jesus by the river and and wow. he yeah, and he said he saw Jesus by the river, and he said, he said, we said, well, you know, what does he look like? And he just said, love. He's just got this love, you know. He's just got this abundant love, you know. Like, and and he was just so happy, you know. That that that's how happy he was. And I think for him and his family, his family, his mother was in hospital, and that she was told the next day she'd be going to retirement village, and so the day that she was told she was playing with her her granddaughter she was up and about moving around and the next day she passed away so his family had an amazing you know knack for as soon as they wanted to go they would go i don't know how they would do it but they would just leave so he was frustrated because he was saying you know I've, I've been there with other family members i've seen them just go and they've just took one breath and they've gone why is it taking so long you know who do i have to see who do i have to still see um but I think he was sacrificing through that pain and giving us a lot of time with him. Mm, wow. Ooh, I, I should have brought tissues with me today. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Beautiful. No, don't be sorry. This is the stuff we need to hear. I mean, um, 
profound. Um, it's almost like he was going back and trying to do the things or have the things that he didn't get to have or do in that lucidity in a way. Yeah. And yeah, he was waiting because he wanted to make sure you guys were taken care of before he, he left and talking about Jesus and love. And, and you guys are, you're amazing to do that um, for your grandfather um, to take care of him. That is such a beautiful, sacred gift um, that everyone should experience. And I so agree with the hospital. Um, it should be a place of love and light and not a place of, I don't want to say it, death and destruction. And people just get very anxious when they go in, right? It's mm. it's usually a place of fear. That's mm. the word. Yeah. yeah. Um, so thank you for that. Um, I'm just going to reckon, there's quite a few people that have commented <laughs> and are, are saying hello. Lynn is saying, very interesting topic. So happy you're here to speak to us about your journey. Thanks, Lynn. Marianne, giving you big hugs. <laughs> Thanks, Marianne. And Marsha is saying, being given the task of taking care of your loved ones when they are ready to cross is definitely a gift and a privilege. Very yeah, well an said. It's an honor. Absolutely. Um, and how yeah. everyone should be like cradled and, oh, gosh getting choked up, you know, when you first have your child and they're in your arms, it should be the same way. Yeah. When exactly. somebody leaves. Exactly. A hundred percent. You know, to, to, you need that. It, it's, it's a, it's a scary time. It's, it's, you know, anxious and, and there's pain and there's a lot of things going through and you need that accompanying them. You know, you need, you need comfort. And for me, my grandparents were there every single day when I, when I was in hospital mm -hmm. and with my, with my heart story, about a year later, I eventually went and had um, open heart surgery to repair my valve. Oh, you did, okay. And and they were the, the two people that took me. You know, the two people that took me, the two people I didn't want anyone else knowing. I just wanted to keep it very, you know, very positive going in to the mm -hmm. to the surgery. And they were there. You know, so 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 they were always there for me. You know, and and you know, there was no way that I wasn't going to be there for them. Wow, wow, that's such a sacred you know, bond across all timelines. Yeah, um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, Lynn's getting hit in the feelers too. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> and no, don't be sorry. We need to, you know, these are beautiful, vulnerable moments that, you know, everyone needs to, to connect with. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and to honor you as, as, as a human being, you know, the things that you did and you went through and, how you're honoring um, your soul through yeah. telling telling the stories, right? So, um, yeah, that's a beautiful story. Sounds like you passed peacefully and consciously. Yeah, yeah, we're very lucky, very lucky. Very lucky. And, you know, I just want to say as well, I think, you know, it's a very positive story and it's, and it's, and it's, it's a special moment. Um, and for anyone who's going through this or, or, or who's going through some hard times, one thing that I realized is, and I had other people around me, other people that loved me, and you might think that because you've had such closure that you're okay, but there were parts of me that changed and there are parts of me emotionally that shut off and parts of me that didn't fully heal and resolve, mm -hmm. you know, even a year later. And close people to me saying, you know, you've changed, you've changed a bit, you know. And, and so I think 
one thing that you learn in your life and your journey is you always have to go back and do the work. You have to go back in and do the work and clear, 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 you know, the heartache and, and cry or whatever it is for you. You know, um, at the time I was going for, for a run every day to kind of get rid of some of that emotional angst. Um, but yeah, you know, that we're here to heal, I think, and there's always healing to be done. Um, regardless of how much closure you've had. I mean, I, I lost my my older cousin who's like a brother to me and I had no closure and that really messed me up. But then even though I had closure with my grandfather, there's still healing to be done, you know, because we always, you, you, you can, we can all be affected. Yes. It, it's, it's continuous, just like learning. We're, we're a student of the universe. Exactly. And it never ends. <laughs> no, no. Um, Lynn is just saying, don't be sorry. I was there when both parents passed and it's just bringing back some memories. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, re I remember that too. And I wish I had, you know, had the, I mean, I still, of course, um, talk to my grandparents, but to have that experience, that's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Um, so what, there's a book that you're writing. Yes. And, yes. And it's called decide, is it decide your destiny? Correct. Correct. Okay. So, Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So the name itself came about from the man of the hour who were talking about my grandfather. Um, I was sitting down on the couch in his living room and how he designed his house, he had, he had lots of glass. So there was always lots of light that was entering the living room space and it, created, it made the, the, the house seem so much bigger and larger than it was. And we were sitting on the couch and, and he turned to me and, you know, sun-kissed face, you know, the light was hitting inside of his face and he, he looked in my eyes and he just spoke these words and he just said, decide your destiny. And, you know, I was about 18 at the time and I said, yeah, I said what? What did you say? <laughs> he said, yeah, I was like, what? And, and he said, decide your destiny. And he said, make sure in your life that whatever you do, that you decide your destiny. Mm -hmm. and, and he had like this boyish smile on his face. I, I don't know what it was. I don't know. I can't go inside of him and what he was experiencing. Maybe he was experiencing, you know, what do I give this boy? What wisdom do I give this boy? What do I share with him that could be great for his life? But he just shared that with me, you know. And um, and for a kind of a stoic figure and a, and and a man that didn't share that didn't have as many words as as his wife, you know, like my my, my grandmother would talk a lot, a lot, and I, I could talk a lot too, you know. So. So me and her would talk and talk and talk. So he didn't have a lot of words, but those words were very powerful. So in terms of Decide Your Destiny, you know, the book that I'm, I'm it's a book on belief and, mm. you know, inspiring people to, you know, make the most of every, every single heartbeat that they have in their life. You know, and in every single heartbeat, you have the choice, you know, to succumb to apathy or to rise above, you know, everything that you, you've, you've gone through. And, inspire yourself and inspire others and so you know the book covers youth younger years going through those hardships um it goes through to my heroes people like my grandparents and then my heart and soul story you know healing myself naturally and then it doesn't end there you know because i had i had surgery then i had quite a few multiple surgeries and you know it's heart management for life same as mindset management you know soul management you're managing your heart health for life now so so uh, everything that I've learned, everything I've been taught, all the wisdom that my, my grandparents shared with me, I'm putting into that book to help other people. So it's a memoir, but it's very focused on the lessons and the takeaways and things that can help other people. Beautiful. I love that. Uh, every heartbeat, you know, yeah. 
I, yeah. and I just think of heart intelligence. Um, yeah. That's, you know, the, the, the biggest, you know, the, the biggest and um, the broadest um, spectrum and the easiest thing to tap into. Whereas, you know, the ego wants to go with the mind always and it has to be scientific and it has to be, it, it, and the heart's just like bypasses it all and says, I, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I feel so. This is how it works. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. That, and and the hard intelligence was me hearing my grandfather on the phone and going, "I need to go over to Sydney and be with him." Mm. And the and the head intelligence was, "I've got a few things that I've committed to. I can't let people down because I don't want to be the person that lets people down." You know, so so maybe I'll go next week. Yes. You know, and who knows if I would have had next week? So so mm. that was that's a pure example. Yeah, that was a cat, you know, a catalyst, like a yeah. a destiny moment, as as your grandfather would say. You decided, exactly. you decided, and, yeah. and thank goodness for that. I'm just looking behind you. you. You've got, I don't know what that is. Like, is that a list of affirmations, yes. or mon, or is that goals, or what is that? Yeah, so so that's a list of you know my non-negotiables. So you know, you know, in terms of some things on there it's it's committing 100 percent um to all the relationships in my life um mm -hmm. you know to re remain free with creative expression and flowing um energy in my life and and so there there, there are a list of about you know 26 non-negotiables that, that, that i try and read out every day and then i've got a list of about 16 affirmations that i read out every day um <laughs> it might sound Love a bit funny it. but i read it out in the more in the mirror no, you need to remember that because, again, you know, you start going into autopilot and you forget all those things. So you need to, ah, uh, yes, it, it becomes imprinted. It's just something yes. you say all, the, something you know all the time because you've done the work, done the work, done the work. Um, there's two questions I always ask my guests towards the end, um, just as a surprise. <laughs> okay, cool. I like surprises. Um, <laughs> how can we as a collective energy help make your dreams come true i guess for me it would be getting more in tune with your heart and soul you know really mm -hmm. really trying to understand that sitting with yourself sitting with your space for me when I, when I started writing this book i was sitting down and i went you know i've been through these near-death experiences i've had amazing people in my life i've had um incredible hardships that have taught me great lessons. But what can I do that is aligning with my life? What can I do that's going to align with my soul and my purpose and the reason I'm here on this earth in this time? And that's when the book started to come out. So, you know, if you can align more with your heart and soul, mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying get away from the mind, but, you know, having a strong mind and having a correct mindset and, having clarity with your mind. I mean, I go for a run every morning to have clarity in my mind. So, but just connecting with your heart and soul, connecting those other parts, because we, we are very physical and we operate in a very physical realm a lot of the time. And I think we're kind of transcending to accepting heart and soul and you're getting different people and different leaders and, and, and different aspects opening up. You know, for me to share my heart story, I didn't feel comfortable when I was going through it at mm. that age, you know, because... It just didn't seem like it was it was an, a, a welcome truth, you know, a truth nonetheless, but not a welcome truth that you can heal your heart naturally. Um, so 
now I feel like I can. And the space is there. I think the energy is there. I think the transcendence is there. And I think, you know, these last few years have taught people a lot of things and having that introspection to go into your heart and soul and, and see how you can connect with other people. I think that's, yeah, that, that would be my request. Love it. Thank you so much. And yeah, I, I agree with all of it. <laughs> Great message. Uh, what does magic mean to you? Brilliant questions. I'm liking these surprises. <laughs> <laughs> Just buying myself to some time to think about it. Good sure, answer. yeah. No, it's it's all good. Everybody has a different um, understanding or feeling about it. Being vulnerable would probably be um, for magic for me. I think, mm -hmm. you know, when you're vulnerable and when you're authentic, you can become more of you. And when you become more of you as a person and you show up each day more as who you are, you know what you want. So you're not going through in life, you know, programmed by your outer outer environment, you know, your, your self-programming what, what you want in your life. And being vulnerable is a huge thing. And it's a hard thing, I know, you know, trying to be vulnerable and we, we, we all want social acceptance. You know, that goes right back to our caveman era when, you know, you, if you weren't accepted in the tribe, you uh, you didn't get to eat the cow or whatever. So, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think the way the world is today is connected so well that you can find your tribes, you can find your communities, you can find your groups of people who are not going to judge you off labels and 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 what your beliefs are. And you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, you can believe that clouds are really you know, cows in the sky, I don't care as long as you're a kind human being and, you you know, you're interested in developing yourself and, and working on yourself and, and giving your gifts to the world. I think that's that's the most important thing. So being vulnerable is magic. Um, it opens you up to an abundant wealth of of self-realization, actualization and, and creativity mm. and it opens you up to connect to so many souls and hearts. Love that. That's a beautiful, yeah, exactly. Vulnerability, authenticity, where in a world that tries to make you otherwise or think mm. otherwise or feel otherwise. Yeah. But you already are. I love that. You already are magical. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you, your story. There is so much story, guys. I mean, we just, like they say, you see the tip of the iceberg, what's underneath? Yeah, so much, yeah. so much depth. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> and I did leave links for your website and all your social media. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we go? Yes. I mean, if, if people are interested every day, I do a um, Decide Your Destiny Daily Dose, so I, an inspirational message from the day. And I, I usually take, take something out of the day that I've learned or, you know, it can be a challenge. It can be a day where I got up and I didn't get up you know, jumping out of the bed and was a, it was a tougher day. And I, I try and come back that into a, about a five-minute little inspirational message. So, you know, if people want to kind of view that or, you know, leave a comment, let me know what you think of that. Um, and, I've you know, this book is coming out uh, in April, towards the end of April. And, yeah, I'm, I'm really gun-hoing to get get that message out and, and, and just try and inspire more people and, and constantly be inspired. You know, I'm inspired by you, Christine, and mm. I'm inspired by the comments today from the people. 
So, yeah. Thank you. I'd love to read. Uh, I love reading. So the the book, I'd love to have a copy when it's ready. I'll send you a copy. I'll be sharing it with friends, uh, obviously, and and anyone else. Uh, Lynn is just saying thank you for sharing your story today, Kyle. And thank you, Christine, for finding this gem. You're a gem. (laughs) Thanks, Lynn. Jeez, you're going to make me blush here. (laughs) (laughs) And Marsha, thank you so much for being vulnerable today and sharing your story. Thanks, Marsha. And Chris, thank you so much for sharing. Thank Wonderful. You, thank you for, you know, all of you being here. If you're on the replay, if you have any questions, please ask. Um, I just have a few housekeeping items at the end. Um, yes, it is March and I did do an energy update. So head over to my YouTube channel and um, there's about five different themes. And then there's some cards that go along with that energy. I'm just tapping into what's going on, what's happening. And uh, there's a lot of insight as well. Uh, Every Saturday, I do a free Zoom group. It's an hour of unleashing your soul's purpose. It's a great group for us empaths. It's a safe space to connect, to collaborate, to co-create, and to learn something. I mean, we learn about shamanism, we learn about uh, the full moon, we learn about chakras, whatever it is, intuition, you name it, um, we're going to talk about it. And 2021 Dream Vision Map is coming again, because we did in January, now we're following up to see what's going on in March, if we need to tweak some of your goals, your visions, your blueprint, and... um, Again, this is a co-creative process. It is free. So comment uh, Dream Vision Map if you'd like a link for that. Comment Soul's Purpose if you'd like a link to this group as well. And I am still taking, of course, one-on-one mentorships all year round. And our group is closed right now, but it will reopen in April. So stay tuned for that. So if you're looking for six weeks of mentorship and guidance on how to find your magic, find your soul's purpose, and to unleash your intuition, comment magic. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Again, Kyle, I'm going to be following your vlogs and your daily inspirations. And uh, you guys should too, if you're looking for, you know, a little pep talk, I guess, in the morning, (laughs) and some connection. But uh, it was so nice having you on. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be stuff in the future that we're going to collaborate together. I already have some things going on in the background I'm thinking about. So, all right, guys, take care. Uh, Stay safe as always. And please remember healing begins where the ego ends. Sending lots of love. Thank you.